Hello everyone and welcome to Rolling Forward. I am your host Ben Baldieri and thank you for tuning in. Rolling Forward is dedicated to exploring topics related to mental health and sports and the interplay between the two. I'll be talking to high performers in various areas such as sport, entrepreneurship and business about their experiences with mental health and the struggles they have had and in doing so seeking to broaden the dialogue. Mental health is a huge issue which has historically not received the recognition it deserves so I'm looking to do my bit to change that. My guest today is Michelle Payne. Michelle is an international holistic lifestyle coach, helping clients all over the world who feel lost and stuck in their current career and life, and she helps them to find their purpose and create a life they love. Having worked in the corporate and consulting world before, she has learned from her own experience of breaking out of a successful but unfulfilling and unhappy career to follow her purpose path, and now she is leveraging that experience to help others do the same. All of this experience and knowledge that she has gathered over four years of self-discovery and through attendance to various seminars and taking part in various certifications in the field of coaching and holistic lifestyle have led her to creating her own coaching model, the Your Purpose Path. Using her hands-on coaching model, she helps her clients to find their true self, their purpose, and create a life they love in a fun and intuitive way. Please excuse the background noise that there may be in this one. I am currently recording this episode from Bali. I've been out here for slightly longer than I anticipated owing to the ongoing situation with the coronavirus, but hopefully all of these things will fall away and we'll be able to get back to some semblance of normality relatively quickly. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I feel that some of the issues that Michelle covered are universal issues that many people will resonate with and have some personal experience with. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Ben. How are you? Very good. Cool. Right. So, um, I first met you, when was that? That would have been, was it October last yeah, year? Yeah, October last year. October last year for one of the, for one of the motivated events, I think it was the, the first breakfast that we put on. And since that point, you've come along and facilitated our busiest workshop so far with 40 plus attendees. Um, could you yes. tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, happy too. Happy for having me. Or thank you for having me tonight, today. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, yeah, I'm Michelle. I'm a holistic life coach. And I'm helping people to find their purpose and create a life they love. And that was also, my workshop was all about finding your purpose. Um, yeah, I'm living in Shanghai. I'm working full-time as a coach in Shanghai, but also online. So I'm actually serving clients worldwide, yeah, to find a purpose and create a life they love. Yeah, so I was super happy to, I actually moved to Shanghai last year in May. So I was super happy to discover Motivate Shanghai as a platform mm -hmm. to connect with like-minded people, but also as a platform for me to present what I'm doing. And um, yeah, happy to meet you, to have met you in that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a, as I said before, the busiest workshop that we've had for a while. So thanks yes. for that. Um, so you're now heavily involved in coaching. You have your your model, mm -hmm. helping people create the life they love. But that's not. This has not been your only career. So, <laughs> not really. Not so really. So, <laughs> what was your your first career? Well, I would say I've done something like now I'm dealing or helping people. I'm working with people and everything is about 
helping them achieving their full potential in life. And before I was all about corporate and business and that's all actually my background all along. I studied international business originally and I was always like at a business school and yeah, always wanted to go abroad to work. That's uh, kind of that led me to China because China, the biggest market and always having this business mindset, right? Seizing opportunities, mm -hmm. seizing what is the best for your career and going abroad. And then especially in China seemed to be the best idea. So I, yeah, that's my background. And I, after university, after graduation, I uh, came to China with a scholarship the first time. So that was the first time I moved to China in 2010. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and that was in Beijing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the first time around, um, I moved to Beijing with a scholarship first. It was meant to last for only one and a half years. But as many, as many other people that come to China and think they come for a year or maybe half a year, they stay longer. So that's what I did. I was so fascinated by China and the dynamics that I wanted to start working and starting my career, career abroad in China. And that's why, yeah, I was uh, interviewing and getting, I got a, actually what I thought back then, my dream job at BMW. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I worked there for a couple of years before we... And what capacity was that in? Was that from like a sales standpoint? Was that marketing? That was what? strategy and marketing. Mm -hmm. So basically when I started, I was in a business development department and I was working directly for the CEO of BMW China and then working on, yeah, business development mm -hmm. uh, for the biggest market mm -hmm. for BMW. So I thought right after graduating and then I had, you know, one year of scholarship, uh, learning the language, mm -hmm. and I said, boom, first job, dream job, jackpot. First, first job working directly for the CEO of the largest market for BMW. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would have come, <laughs> exactly. come across that way. Yeah, for so my how long were you? How long were you in this role for? Um, well, overall at BMW, I was four plus years, a little bit more than four years. But mm -hmm. in the first role, I was um, three years. Mm -hmm. um, so directly working for the CEO and, uh, you know, it was amazing. You get so much insight directly working with the management. It's, but it's a high demand, mm -hmm. high demanding job, you know, like it's long hours mm -hmm. and you're always... Uh, push, you know, push, 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 push. Yeah, exactly. Push, push, push. But was that was that something that initially drew you to the job, being in that kind of high stress, high pressure environment? Was that something that appealed? Yes. Well, why? Why? Why well, did that appeal? So, I don't want to say my old self, my new self. That's not totally true. It's just mm -hmm. what that part of myself. I was, and I'm still very ambitious. But back then, I had a very different definition of success, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. It was about in school first, getting the good grades, university the same, getting the best internships, getting the best opportunities, landing the best job mm -hmm. right after university. So, and was that working at BMW, one of the biggest, you know, premium brands in automotive, then in China, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, bam. And then for the CEO, that was totally appealing. Mm -hmm. That was my definition of success. And... But then, you know, I realized quite fast, you know, I was like, it's not as great as I thought it was. Where, did, where do you think that definition came from? The definition of success? That definition of success, that previous one. Well, I don't want to, <laughs> I mean, my parents, society, mm -hmm. I think, well, my parents were, in, were not like defining it that way. I think it was more 
society in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a dream, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, more of like a, a cultural expectation. That I think so. You kind of you get on this escalator, you go to school, you get the grades, you get to the university, exactly. you get the grades, you get the job, you exactly. continue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. And I mean, that's everyone was striving for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, system the system school itself is like this. You know, only ones that kind of achieve the grades. Uh, and then continues in university and uh, business school in general. I don't, yeah, for everyone who has been to business school knows it is mostly competitive. And then, yeah. So I think it was totally normal. And for me, I was totally in line with everything. I was on track. You know, I was making it <laughs> somehow until I realized I wasn't. So, <laughs> because. <laughs> <laughs> everything was going great right up until the point that it wasn't going great anymore. <laughs> exactly. Because actually quite fast, I realized, what the fuck am I doing? Sorry. Can I say that here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swear as much as you like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, because I was just working hard. I was working long hours. I was always striving for external approval by my boss and the CEO. Uh, it was like being seen, right? Being mm-hmm. heard. Being, but in the end, I was just a little, like, actually a little, not mouse, you don't say that. Sorry, I'm, yeah, like a little mouse, like, you know, what I was just always preparing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I could never make really, you know, proper decisions or anything, you know, not real impact, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, you know, but you're just harding yourself, uh, working yourself up for someone else. Uh, and I realized, and I was neglecting, you know, my, my, my self-care, you know, sports, the, the food that I ate resulting in you know not feeling well energy levels dropping not sleeping well and all that stuff mm-hmm. so so that was more were you more at that time driven um by a need for sort of external external validation as opposed to internal validation or was it definitely was it kind of a definitely. it feels like you're doing this for yourself because you're competitive and you're pushing yourself but then when you're out of the situation you can look back on it was it more that I need this thing so I can be this and then I need that Well, thing. now being a coach, yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> I know it was totally mm-hmm. actually me, uh, like, getting the, like, my self-worth yeah. was defined by external approval from my boss, but also the salary I was earning, but also do I get the next promotion? Am I the top, you know, in my, not top in my class because top in the department mm-hmm. that is getting the next promotion? It's, it's like this. That's the system. That's how it's set up, right? And I was used to, I thought, but I think it's also already coming back from childhood when I did a lot of sports. Somehow, I think in my system, in my head, it was only when you are top one in your team or, you know, you're getting the gold, you know, you're actually good and maybe, you know, enough. Mm-hmm. So I think it really stems from there, but kind of repeated over time. And that's what I did. And then, by being that so high, I, you know, always striving external approval, looking outside of myself for being good. You know, you totally forget about yourself. And then, then yeah, at one point I learned the hard way mm-hmm. that that's not, that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way. So you played, you played a lot of sport when you were a child? Yeah. Like uh, tennis and also mm-hmm. horse riding, everything mm-hmm. was also dancing. All of my sports were competitive. So there's a pattern somehow but I enjoyed it yeah. <laughs> actually I enjoy competition that's not it but then what is it about the the competition that you enjoyed 
I think if you define yourself over competing or being better than someone mm. else, and you know, that's now I know, you know, looking back at it, I can see it like this, you know, whenever I won, this mm. is a good feeling. It's kind of, you know, uh, building up your self-worth and your, your inside, mm. but this is not really sustainable because what happens if you're sick? What happens if you have an injury? What happens if you, you know, in sports like this? Uh, the same than what I learned there, I guess, then I apply to business world, corporate mm -hmm. world. And I, you know, but then I think, you know, over the years now, I learned this is not how it goes. It's mm -hmm. unsustainable. It's very exhausting, too. Yes. yes. Yeah, I would agree. Agree 100% with that. Um, the short stint in the corporate world I had, um, I was too drawn to very competitive, very high pressure environments and I like, I've, I very quickly realized that the thing about competition that I really enjoy mm -hmm. isn't so much the beating of other people. I mean, that's fun because it, it's like when, when you beat someone, it does feel good. Like, anyone who says otherwise, like, not anyone, anyone who says otherwise, I think, like, if, if you can best someone, but it's done in a way that is like within the bounds of a game for example mm. like you're just better at that game as long as you're yeah. not treading on anyone when you're doing it then it can feel pretty good um but i very quickly realized being in the business world that my competitive drive wasn't competing with other people it was more competing with myself mm -hmm. and as soon as i realized that the corporate world puts you in a box mm -hmm. as you were saying about like what is your salary What is your job title? Are you next in line for a promotion? How many deals did you close today? Yeah. How many sales have you made? Have you hit your target? Mm -hmm. As soon as you start falling short of those things, then your, as you were saying again, your feelings of self-worth end up being very, very much dictated mm -hmm. by these external validating factors, which at the end of the day are just not, exactly. not going to work. Mm -hmm. So you have this fantastic career going. Mm-hmm. Everything's going great. Yeah. Up until the point it's not going great. Mm -hmm. What happened? <laughs> well, and that's the point. Yeah, true. Everything was going great, as you said. I got promoted every year. I got a salary increase every year. So per definition back then. Escalator. Yeah. Things were going well. Yeah. But as I mentioned, until it wasn't, because I at the age of I think twenty-three, let me lie, because I was very young when I started. Actually I was after the second year. I said, one morning, and like, I woke up, and I couldn't get up. Mm -hmm. My back snapped. It's like I was in such pain, I can still remember it. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. you know? But I was not even like, I was in pain, but the only worry I had was like, I need to get to the office. You know, I was like, you know, I, I was not like the connection to my body, and it was like, yeah, you see how little I value my body back then. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like just uh, complaining that it was not functioning the way I wanted it because yeah. I needed my higher goal, go mm -hmm. to the office. So my back snapped and I wasn't, I couldn't move. Like I could move a little bit, but not really walk or anything mm -hmm. for three weeks. So was there any, were you doing anything like the day before or was it just a case you, you woke no. up the net one day and it just, just stuff just exactly. didn't work? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And if you're young and normally like you're also sportive and you yeah. can move and you know your body, this is quite a shock. Yeah. 
right? Like it's not like, oh, I just have a little bit of back pain. No, like I could not move. I had to roll out my back then, you know, partner, <laughs> now husband. <laughs> he had to kind of really carry me. That was, yeah. And at that day, I even tried. So he kind of stuffed me into a text to get to work. And then even my boss said, what are you doing? You cannot, you know, like, it's not. And then I went to the hospital. And then luckily through that, I found an osteopath. Mm, osteopath, yeah. Osteopath, yeah. So he was, he was a great guy. I call him Dr. Magic. Mm-hmm. That's not his name, but I call him Dr. Magic because he worked his magic but also not only helped me to get back into being mobile again, yep. but he explained me everything about how stress can affect your body mm-hmm. or also when you ignore inner, inner signs, your inner voice. Some people talk about your soul, you know, like inner things. If you ignore it too much, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's a body-mind connection. Your body, if you don't listen to yourself, shows you at one point. Mm-hmm. And for some that's back pain like me, for others, it could be migraines is often a case, uh, stomach problems, um, yeah, you name it, skin problem often. So everyone has, like the ones that are affected by it, have different kind of uh, venta, no, venti, venta, no, Systems. sorry, Systems. I, like the way they let it out, sorry, yep. non-native English speaker here. <laughs> Your English so. is much better than my German, so we're fine. Okay. So, yeah. so, was there was this a, a particularly stressful time at work that led up to this this I, period of time, or was it just kind honest, of a I manifestation my, of? Cumulative? I I I can't really. I think to be honest, my my work was always stressful. We always were running from like actually every week, every day, like the whole year, like working with a CEO in this very dynamic market was always something big somehow. So there was hardly a time of relaxation. You were always online. Also after work. So you come in early, you leave late, you're always available. The same on the weekend. So yes, it has been I don't know, there was not a trigger, there was not an event. It was just one day I think maybe my body just said, you know, my boom. Enough. Enough. Enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And then this happened one time and I thought, okay, well there was maybe too much stress, you know. You do start being more mindful again, doing more exercise or, you know, like yoga. I was getting more in, in tune or in touch with my body again, you know, in a, in a more kind way, not just running hardcore or doing HIIT trainings, <laughs> you know, the so way I, I used to. do to. another 35-minute HIIT workout. That will fix my back. <laughs> exactly. So I was being, becoming more kind with my body and I, it got better. So I thought it's kind of out of the way. But then this was the first of three episodes over three years so well I think it's more than just being stressed as I think it's really being aligned with yourself mm-hmm. so the how long did it take you to recover from this this first episode the back first, to back to like I say there's the same level where you were beforehand Whew. I think okay I think it was two three weeks where I was really out and then another couple of weeks that you can really move without pain because there's still a little bit of pain Mm -hmm. then it's kind of okay but it becomes your weak spot so whenever there's some stress increasing you would but the next time it's snapped the way I call it when it's totally blocked and not working was one year later Mm -hmm. and it was also another three weeks two three weeks so what was what goes through your mind when you're in when you're in that situation like 
you've gone to bed one day and everything feels feels fine. Or, I mean, did it feel fine beforehand? Like, well, I think I got used to the to whatever. How much pain it was. you in? The normal amount of pain. The normal <laughs> amount of pain is zero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I I mean I was stressed, but I I knew kind of. But I thought it's just normal. Yeah. I thought that's just the way it's supposed to be. You know. No, the what? normal amount of pain. Yeah. Exactly. But then the next morning I woke up and I was just mad at myself, hating myself, you know, hating my body for not functioning. Yeah. If, um, but actually that's nowadays I think, oh God, I want to cry the way I treated myself back yeah. then. It's really it's just very hard. Mm-hmm. I've always been hard on myself. And it's yeah, another story. <laughs> but like, I think it's just this, you know, I think the way... You know, you were so pure and cute and, you know, as a very small kid and then you grow up, you know, through everything, childhood, youth, whatever, and then whatever, like your parents, your friends, your, you know, your surroundings. And then I think I got, I'm, I was always told I was such a, just sunshine and just very genuine, you know, like very, as a very small kid. Yeah. And I think I got quite hard and pushy over the years. I still have some traits of it, maybe now, but like in a good way. But you know, it's just what I want to say. I was just so hard with myself all the time, mm-hmm. and I just realized in the last couple of years, leading up now being a coach, mm-hmm. where I did a full self discovery, that it was that I was actually so hard on myself. So you you recover from this first episode, and like after after you're recovered, you're kind of back to mm-hmm. some semblance of normality. And then it happens again. Mm-hmm. What what happened that time? Like your your immediate reaction with this first episode was you're very hard on yourself. You're very angry with yourself. Mm-hmm. When it happens for a second time, did you have the same reaction, or was it slightly different? No, you because by then you know through Doctor Magic, as I call him, and reading books and getting into the topic, you know, you know that something you know something's up. Something's up. And latest. When it happened a third time, I said, enough is enough. And it cannot continue. You know, it's just, by then I knew we are one, you know, body, mind, and soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, many people use these terms because it's actually true. You know, we're so interconnected. It's not only our body. It's like so linked with our mind, mm-hmm. but also our soul. I knew I had to change something. And I, only then I was willing to listen to my inner voice. You know, there because there were some wishes and desires, not only saying, oh, in general, like, oh, my, you know. What, what, I want a better job. I want exactly. more money. Yeah, but part, I was yeah. more clear then, Yeah. you know. So I wanted to get out. So when you, then you have this, this realization, um, what steps do you take from that mm-hmm. moment of realization that you need to do something, something. different? Well, I'm, uh, I tend to put a lot of, I like to learn. I'm a learner. So I kind of try to consume different kind of self-help books, <laughs> personal development, everything. But I, actually, back then it was Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Work Week. I think so many people talk about this book. Good book. Yeah, good book. <laughs> good book. That totally changed my perspective, not on life, and, well, kind of on life, but working world. Yeah. Who says that we have to work so much? Who says that it has to be high pressure all the time? Who says, you know, all these things? Who said, you know, like, and then there's this one guy who said, oh, I'm working four hours a week or 
maybe I don't know whether it's 100% true, but like he's bringing a lot of new perspective into the working world, how you can make money, you know, um, which is different from the standard corporate nine to five or uh, seven to 10. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seven to 10 sounds slightly more accurate. Yeah. So you're, you're going through these, these self-help books. Was there anything that you were specifically gravitating towards? Like Tim Ferriss is more geared towards like optimization, but um, I, there is obviously like self-help is a massive sphere. Was there any, anything that you were drawn towards or was it just a case of everything? Give me as much as possible. Well, I have to say that very early on already, it's the first time I read about the job as a life coach mm. or coach, actually that totally sprung at me like I was like whoa that's my profession mm-hmm. but back then I was still very young as I I thought I'm too young I'm too inexperienced who am I to coach anyone you know so this that was actually the first thing that came up but I put it aside for a very long time actually even after I made the decision um but back then I realized very fast I want to be my own boss so work having worked for in a corporate world not only the four years or four plus years at BMW, but before and also in different internships throughout my university years, I decided, no, I no longer want to make, you know, work for somebody else and, you know, and they make the decisions. I want my freedom. I want to have also creative freedom. I want to make decisions. You know, I want to have a true impact on people. So that was, I think that was the most important thing. So I knew I wanted to be my own boss self-employed back then I was still in my business school thinking perspective so when talking about being your own boss that meant having a startup which was totally you know like so I was striving to do actually follow that path at Mm -hmm. the beginning realized no 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 you're still on the same escalator exactly it's just going in ever so slightly different direction exactly so funny so that took me half a year to realize no that's not what I want I wanted something more like, you know. What was that realization like? Because I mean, was it was it a case of did like did you did you try and go down the startup route initially? Yeah, I was, and I was you know starting already networking, had some different ideas. I was kind of trying to get my foot in, you know, the industry. How does it work? Found like your founding team and maybe investors and all that stuff. And I said, like, what am I doing? And then the day, like, it was just a good friend who works in M&A, and actually she's an angel investor, and she said, Michelle, I'm happy to give you, like, to invest in your idea, because I had an idea back then, doesn't matter in detail, and she's like, but are you sure that's what you want? Are you really sure? Because the the day you quit your job, you said you don't want to actually, you know, be in a high-pressure, full-blown, you know, hard-work-week kind of job and startup is exactly this plus if you have investors again you have to report to someone you realize that I said no I don't (laughs) not really (laughs) but she's like it really you know back then I was like oh shit it was an ego decision again it was again external approval because back then when I said oh I'm gonna quit to have my own business everyone's like yeah you're gonna have you know we're also actually quite so you must be starting a business yeah exactly you must, be ha- you must have a startup exactly you must have a startup that's what also the, the management at BMW back then told me and I was like oh yeah of course that's what I want to do <laughs> I was like <laughs> exactly and again I was in the same pattern not realizing free but not free right mm-hmm. but I was okay I mean, I mean like in the end now I, 
I think it's, I consider it as part of the process of progress you have to do anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was that, was there anything from that experience that you found particularly valuable afterwards? Was there, I mean, because you had your, your first realization that something needed to change in the corporate world. Yes. But it sounds a little bit like you still had like a few of those old kind of this is what yeah. I should be doing yeah. moments. Yeah, I had. And actually, I quit or I left the company 2015. And only last year, beginning of like, I started my, you know, my coaching business, mm -hmm. which is truly where I want to be. Right. So if you can, you know, it took me four years from quitting to getting there. So, yeah, it were, there were a couple of stations in between where I had some ego play or some not being very 100% honest with myself or being maybe afraid to really tap into my genius zone. Mm -hmm. So, yes, first it was a startup, then this first realization, oh, no, that's actually not what I want. Then I said, okay, do it more like Tim Ferriss, work maximum three days a week, uh, being able to work from remotely from anywhere I want. So I found actually a... Uh, a startup who hired me as a marketing director to build up the marketing and I could be in the office but I could be anywhere where I wanted to be I got all my conditions you know so I was like that's actually what I wanted right I was even paid more than before on three days you know and I was like okay did that for a year realizing oh well it's still not what I want it's not really fulfilling it's kind of pushing the envelope a little bit but exactly not. exactly because the content was not really truly interesting to me it's not yeah and actually back then and, and then I realized that and I started to follow my passion more so I did actually different kind of trainings certifications and the field of well-being mindfulness sports nutrition um, also speaking and you know so different kind of things kind of trying to discover myself more and more um, and then actually it was still while I was doing the consulting job and this context actually one day I had the chance or was one project I had the chance to not consult the CEO but to coach him and it was more like mindset and coaching him also with his private private and business life mm -hmm. uh, I kind of how to say that I just you know kind of got into this role kind of happened and that I truly enjoyed mm -hmm. and I said okay maybe this is something to look at exactly yeah. and he's still paying me for it because you know there was this fear this self-limiting belief before that I was too young I, I was a consultant but still thought I was too young not good enough to be a coach I don't know why you know but then somehow it happened and it showed me that actually I, I can create value through it and I really truly enjoyed it when I was able to help him as a person more than as a business owner Thanks. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you went on lots of lots of trainings and courses and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Was this is now obviously something that you're you're very passionate about. But did you find that that the, like the same level of passion that you have now existed at the very beginning, or did you find that it was more of kind of a cumulative thing? Like as you start going to these courses and attending these workshops and different trainings, and you you develop the skill set and you develop your competencies within that sphere, did you find that you became more passionate about it or has it kind of been a constant? Yeah, it, that's a good question because I, I was always, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe that's my fear where I want to be, you know? Like I was so hopeful trying to kind of find my purpose. So I was always looking for finding my purpose, finding my, 
you know, my genius on where should I work somehow. And I was at the beginning very enthusiastic, but I realized I still enjoyed learning about all that stuff, but very quickly realized, oh, oh, no, no, I'm never going to work in this field. Not as a classical nutritionist or as a personal fitness coach or, you know, like somehow there were bits and pieces I like now I say, like, now it makes totally sense, retro perspective, you know, looking back at it, because all the knowledge that I gathered is now very important to my overall holistic coaching approach. You know, it's awesome. But back then I was like, what am I doing? You know, I was always so, so enthusiastic about it, and I got into it. And, it's okay. Uh, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and again, and, you know, like, I was... I was lost mm -hmm. i was not trusting myself anymore my i thought my inner compass is totally non-existent mm -hmm. did you ever when you're in in that place where you're not entirely sure of what you're doing and whether it's going in the right direction or what even the right direction is did you ever regret leaving the corporate world when you found yourself in that situation no okay, never so that was the constant yes and that's why and i was i was truly lost and I, I can also be very honest, back then I never shared it even with my friends. Um, you know, I, I wasn't openly talking about it. I was just, back then I was really truly lost and I was really questioning myself and it drove me insane. But one thing I was always sure, I said, I'm never going back. <laughs> yeah. I, I may not be doing what I want to be doing at the moment, but fucking hell, I'm never going back to corporate. Exactly. Yeah. So I was sure that I, I, I am somehow on my right path. I was frustrated that I'm not finding it, you know, mm -hmm. somehow. Um, but in the end, now I think it all made sense. You know, sometimes you have to test and try, and you only know when you're actually doing it, you know, mm -hmm. not just thinking about it, just do it. And then you very quickly know yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So it's yeah. Where, yeah, like when when you find yourself in a, in a position that you're happy with, where you're you're the one who's making the progress. You're not on that escalator whereby you, you're not really the one who's taking the steps forward. The steps are being taken forward for you. Like you work hard and you get the promotion mm. and then you get more money and then you get more things then you get more stuff and then so on and so forth versus I'm choosing to do this next mm, step. Exactly. It's a lot easier to kind of join the dots looking backwards than it is forwards. Because yeah. oh, I can see how like this experience led me to this and then this experience led on to that experience. Of course, now everything is easy, yeah, yeah. but back, no, back then it was really a dark time, especially after like two years, you know, because I was in this consulting world and then I was still doing it, but reducing the time, you know, re reducing my working time and investing more and more time into kind of finding myself, you know, based using my savings, mm -hmm. you know, so it was also like then also money, security, safety, you know, yeah. comes also into play. It's not only just not finding yourself as fast as you want, but also like, okay, you're investing constantly in yourself and that kind of can drive you insane. So I was, mm -hmm. for some time, I was quite, it was really a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. What was it about that that was getting to you so much? I realized <clears throat> actually that money or my salary is one way, like as I said, is one way of kind of proving my worth and that it was my decision to reduce that, you know, but like not getting it, I only realized later it's kind of taking myself worse slowly, one day at a time, but also not having maybe so much external approval, even from my clients, you know, like because 
approval in that sense, oh, you're doing a good job, you're really helping us, you know, just getting less and I'm just more in a student position again, learning and doing certifications and then not finding myself. I think actually very slowly my self-trust, self-worth kind of reduced over time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was questioning myself more and more. And that, yeah, well. Where did that lead? Like, because now, again, looking back from where you are now, yeah well now it is it drove me crazy but then at one point actually I had what I'm doing now has been inside of me quite some time yeah and I think at one point I just said enough is enough you actually know it just not man up but woman up in this context right and just do it what do you have to lose and I you know like it was just I couldn't bear with it. So actually, you know, I was, uh, you know, you were the creator of your world. Mm. Actually, every one of us has all the answers that they need within them to make the right life decisions. But sometimes fears, insecurities, limiting beliefs or limitations, you know, hold us back to make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. And I was just doing that for some time, willingly, apparently. <laughs> I, I think... Everyone does it willingly, unwillingly. It's you're not always aware of these things. Yeah, like when so. when you're in them, like you can't you can't see the wood for the trees. Like you're so deep in it, mm. you have no idea which decision is the right decision. You've no idea if the because you've, it feels like you're making wrong decisions. It then means that you're looking at past decisions in the same negative light. It's like oh, maybe I should have done this differently. If I'd done this differently. What am I doing? Why am I investing in myself when I'm not seeing any return? Yeah. But there's always going to be a return if you're investing in yourself. Definitely. Totally. Yeah. So, and to be honest, now I'm super grateful I had this experience because if I had, you know, 2015 just quit my job mm -hmm. and then went again like I used to in the very past from going from A to B, directly finding my purpose and living it, What's the point? You know, like there's no story to tell. You know, and now I have a much better understanding of what I think many of my clients are struggling with. All these fears and insecurities. And that's actually what we all have somehow in common. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has different ones, but somehow everyone has their own pack of, you know. Everyone's got their own bag of shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. so I think that brings us quite nicely onto your, your personal coaching model. Mm -hmm. So... Give us a very brief overview of it. What are like the key features of it? So, yeah, my coaching model is your purpose pass. It's called your purpose pass coaching program. And actually what I went through, you know, over all these years of self-discovery, where I did not only, you know, discover reflecting on myself. I read a lot of books. I went to different seminars. And then finally did also my coaching certification, training certification. I put all this experience into you know into one program and to kind of dial it down like to focus on essentials on the stuff that you need to know to figure out your truth yeah your purpose and to then in order to live it so my program has four different parts it's um, basically discover first what you believe in so this is your your life motives your values and beliefs what you know to many people are actually not 100% aware what they believe in, you know, what they stand for. 
and I'll kind of help them to discover so what that again. What would be some, some examples of like beliefs and values in this context? Yeah, I'm working with life motives, but they're very linked with mm-hmm. values. Um, these, like, um, what is driving you? What is important to you? What what are the you know factors influencing your decisions? So I have a throughout my coaching program or coaching model, I use different coaching exercises and questions. And the one for the life motives is very fast and very intuitive and playful to figure out what is important to you and driving you. So that would be, for example, for me, for example, in my top five, it's freedom and independence. Well, so it's not corporate, yeah, and not a startup with investors. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it could also be relationships, family. They're different kind of set, and we go through them, and then uh, my clients, you know, get to pick them, or like we help to discover yours. That's what I do. Um, yeah, it's very good because in the end, when you look at them. Because they, they stay the same mostly for, for your person, except you have big life changes or maybe trauma, but also very positive, you know, things like birth of a child, you know, could influence your value of family, could go up compared to beforehand as a student, yeah. But um, uh, so we go through this because you will figure out once you know them how you make wise decisions for your life, yeah. What is your, that's your true north. Mm-hmm. So that's life motives. Mm-hmm. But then also what you believe in. Then it's also what you love. What are you, that's your passions. What you're naturally good at. That's your superpowers. And I also go one level deeper. I call it your unique soul essence. Because that's where we dig a little bit deeper with coaching questions. But also a guided meditation and different kind of exercises. Uh, which are a little more mindful kind of accessing a deeper level of your soul, I would mm-hmm. say, to find out your true desires. That because often people just do decisions, you know, even certain coaching questions are exercised just with your mind with their mind. And I believe if you always just stick to your mind, you will never get your true answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think too much about exactly. what you actually want. And then I mean, are you thinking your thoughts? If you're thinking it like and you mentioned um, your your values on competition and so on and so mm-hmm. forth um, were very much cultural and family. Yeah. Like, are they what you're thinking or are they what you think you should be thinking based on something exactly. someone has told you? Yeah. So, are your thoughts your thoughts? Question mark. Or are they? <laughs> I think we could, have a, we could have a whole episode about that question. <laughs> I, I know. Exactly. And that's why I always try to help my clients or people to tap into their intuition not to overthink stuff that's why it's everything always like a little bit faster a little bit you know to Mm -hmm. kind of uh, avoid the mind so going back to the the other three parts you've got Mm -hmm. your um, your life values yeah so the life motives life motives sorry and then then your beliefs what's so uh beliefs what was what were you what, what are yours in this context well I always say they're guiding principles yeah and I mean, we all have beliefs, yeah. good ones and maybe limiting ones. You know, there's no good or bad. It's just like, do they serve you, right? This is, um, this is one part. So we kind of go dig into that a little bit to see where your mind is at. Um, but I also say your guiding principles, they're, they're nice questions to find them out like that truly inspire you, that you have to live by. 
it's often a nice question is actually who do you admire or who's your idol who inspires you and you name a person and then I would ask you why mm. you know and then this explanation actually says a lot about yourself this is what truly motivates you and you actually also want to live that's coming from inside but often then the mind would say you know that like you would not directly connect yourself to it you know yeah that's why yeah so there are many different ways to exit but you know to find it out and see what is truly important to you Yes. Yeah. And then after that was things that you're passionate about? Yes, passions. So mm. people who live, like, work in their dream career, dream yep. job, actually... What I think is their dream job? Well, that's totally individual <laughs> for everyone, yeah. but actually it proves that uh, most people who do, like, work in their dream job, they have a huge overlap, actually 70 or 80%, there was different studies, um, with their passions. So it's truly they're, they're not working. They just do whatever they love to do. Yeah. yeah so you the find, top a, find a job you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. Exactly. You say it better than I. So this is the next part. And then besides just do what you love, is also use your natural gifts, your superpowers, I call them. Yeah. Not your strength, in my opinion, because we have so many, you know, we're by, by now we learn so much to be good at but use the ones not only that you're good at, but the stuff, the activities you also love to do. You know, that these, where, where these overlap are your natural talents and gifts. Mm-hmm. And then, so you've got the, these four areas, and then you're, the fifth exercise kind of stripping away the, the conscious thought that may or may not be your conscious thought. It may be whatever, for lack of a better phrase, it could be cultural programming, mm-hmm. social programming, family programming, beliefs and values mm-hmm. that have kind of been put onto you. You've gone through these exercises and then, then what? And then we all take it, like bring it all together, all the results. I like to, I have, I, I like intuition and being playful, but I'm still very structured. <laughs> Maybe that's my business background, putting all the results together. And we have a nice clear overview of your individual purpose map. And with these results, depending on what your goal is with our coaching, right? Some people look for a new job or a new job direction. Some others just want to create a different kind of life or life design that not necessarily meaning their job. So, you know, where they want to live, what kind of setup, you know, with family, maybe reducing job time, you know, yeah. So depending on your individual goal, we take the results and work with it, depending, you know. So... For a job, for example, it is then to brainstorm in a very, I have different creative ways to do so. Good results. It's like just using the uh, design, design techniques mm-hmm. um, to create job pictures, create options, and then to work on them. And then actually to really tap into that, like creating plans, like vision, goals, action plans to really implement you know, mm-hmm. your dreams, there's then the, the yeah. coaching following uh-huh. the your purpose path. Yeah, the, um, the, if memory serves, the tagline to your workshop that you did with Motivate was finding your purpose is easy, but living your purpose is damn hard. <laughs> yeah. Memory serves correctly. Um, so from that, which, which, aspect of this journey do you find that your clients struggle the most with 
Is it the identification of what they what they're supposed to be doing and what their purpose is, <laughs> or managing the transition um, into what comes next after that? So actually, I would say so. Everyone enjoys the coaching, and they don't really think much. They just go go with it, and they enjoy it, and they do it, and we get all these results. And at the end, whenever like when all the results come together and they look at it, they're often very stunned, right? They love the results. But then often, the next step, what does it mean? You know, like, do I need to, you know, depending oh, shit, on what, what they do want. I do? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then we create, for example, if it's a job, create create new, maybe job, not job profiles, but like, you know, directions they could go. And then you can often see, it's like, oh, then the mind comes back again. All these fears. Because when people have an outlook that they have to change, like do major change in their life, they're afraid. Like this is just our nature, <laughs> you know. Um, some people deal better, better with it than others. But <laughs> so often like the, and then, the, you know, the mind is coming back. And then, oh, is it actually possible? Isn't that ridiculous? You know, all these limiting beliefs or the, all this, you know, the inner, inner critic is coming. So is it, are you, who are you thinking like, who are you, you know, that you really want to change your career now you can't do this exactly so this but then if i convince them to do that next step and then they're open for it great but there's the first step of hesitation often and depending on the person now the one type that sits back takes the results that they need some time and they don't want to continue and then i have the other half that says damn yes now's the time now is the time and these are my clients that i love to take to the next level and then work with them and really you know you know create a life they love and or maybe career they love depending mm-hmm. on what their goal is and that's also but along the way this is also not always easy you know there were always fear coming back doubts self-doubts mm-hmm. you know but then it's good to have a not only accountability buddy but someone you know like i'm everything i'm a coach i'm accountability buddy i'm a cheerleader I'm everything in one package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love this, you know. So, so what do you need me to be so that I can exactly. help you to achieve what you said you were exactly. going to achieve? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and I love this. So uh, it's really, for me, it's really a privilege mm-hmm. if I can do it, when I can do this. Do you find that you personally still struggle with the, the same doubts that you had before when you were still kind of figuring out which direction to go or have, have those doubts kind of evaporated as... As you've started having some success, in the <laughs> I would say it's a never-ending journey. Well, I think, well, I'm much more honest with myself. I'm much faster at identifying my fears, my doubts. I'm better at dealing with them. It doesn't like they do still come back. It's not like that they're like gone and poof evaporated. It's just I, I'm better at dealing with them. But I think it's a journey. I'm still. I, I, I would say there's never a finish line. You know what I mean? There's always a new goal, maybe always a new level you want to get to. And then, you know, there are new fears or new things. It's just always trying to be a little bit better than yesterday. So one, one last question. Um, one question that I like to ask everyone is one of the, one of the focuses of this podcast is <coughs> kind of exploring the link between mental health mm-hmm. and performance outside so it could be in a sporting context it could be in a business context it could be in a entrepreneurial context whatever context you like if you find if someone is listening to this at the moment and they mm-hmm. find that they're in a particularly 
difficult spot. Maybe they're feeling particularly stressed out. Maybe they're suffering with some depression or anxiety or something like that. What would be one thing that you would recommend that they do right now that would help them move through that? Only one. Okay, if you've got more than one, <laughs> share away. Um, okay, let me just quickly think. It's a very good question. For me, actually the best thing, because when you struggle, everyone is different when they struggle. Some like to talk about it, some not at all. Sometimes you don't have a chance, even if you wanted to talk about it, to have the right person to share it with. So I really um, think journaling, writing it down truly helps me. Even like, because I heard it once, I mean, there are many people recommending journaling and I was like, always like, really, why? You know, it's like, <laughs> like are you sure? Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, can I do something else? <laughs> exactly. No, but like just getting the shit out of your system, the fears, and I encourage everyone to be honest, you know, like not just writing, today is Tuesday. Da, da, da. No, no, no. When you're like in a really, really like write down your fears the way they are, you know, like writing down, like for example, oh, I have my first podcast or whatever. I'm afraid nobody, you know, like, I don't find the right words. I'm afraid that people think I'm not really an expert or like not good enough to be on a podcast. You know, I'm afraid all these fears, you know, like point blank, like just staring at me. I just write it down. Just getting it out of your system is a big relief. But then, then you can also use this, you know, your, your notes and actually work with them too, if you want to do. So I think this is a good way to get it out. But other than this, a good like sleep. I sleep a lot of emotions off, and music. What is your go? What is your go-to track? Oh God! <laughs> now I have to. I, I'm a big J Lo fan, so <laughs> for me, J Lo is really a, a huge inspiration. That woman. I mean, it's a totally different story now. I know, but she's 50. Look at her. She's hot. Yeah. But she is one of the like. She's a great performer. She's a you know. And, businesswoman, a mother, and everything all together, and she's such a power woman. I just treat it like she's an idol, like an inspiration to me. And when I listen to her music and good stuff, because I used to be more hip-hop kind of dancing girl, you know, that, you know, Jenny from the Block and all that stuff, I really, you know, I feel her energy. So it kind of pumps me up. I know that was maybe a little bit cheesy for your podcast. No, no not, at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, they could, two take-homes there. One, journal. Two, listen to J-Lo and you'll feel fantastic. And, and sleeping. And sleeping. Sleeping it off. Maybe don't do all of them at the same time. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Awesome. <laughs> it was a good time. And thank you for listening. That was Rolling Forward. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you enjoyed this episode or you feel that there is something that I should be talking about or someone that I should be talking to, please don't hesitate to get in touch. The most effective way to do that is to leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you are listening on. I will read any and all reviews, so please leave me your comments so I can provide you with even more value. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time.